Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in. We are up to, I think this is 166 episodes, and it just keeps going, and I appreciate all the positive feedback. I love hearing from people who listen to the show, uh, emails or Twitter. I like hearing from people. Jump over to the Facebook page. I really appreciate the people who have been leaving reviews on iTunes. That just really makes my whole day brighter, so jump over to iTunes and leave a review of the show. And for those of you who have joined the Cool Things Project, the group coaching program for uh, solopreneurs and, and entrepreneurs and people who want to be more entrepreneurial, uh, we have a small but mighty group, and you can jump over to TomSinger.com, pull down the About menu, and you'll find a button that says Group Coaching Program, and you can find out all the information you need to, to learn about the Cool Things Project. So today, we're going to go a little different. I know I interview a lot of speakers and writers and consultants and, and solopreneurs and small business people, but today we're going to jump over to the film industry. So a friend of mine is going to be in an independent film, and they are currently raising money for that film. And as I was looking into it, I got really excited and wanted to interview the filmmaker. And today we have Bejan Faramarzi, and I might have butchered his name there, but he'll help me with that when I get him on here in just a second. And he was born in Boston and raised in San Antonio. He went to the University of Texas here in Austin, where he started off in business and pre-pharmacy. But after taking an improv class and meeting a fellow filmmaker, he became passionate about film. And he graduated from UT with a degree in theater. He then went on to shoot films in Los Angeles, New York, Montreal, which, by the way, is a way cool city I just visited for the first time a few months ago. But he now primarily makes his home here in Austin, Texas, where there are a lot of creative people doing a lot of cool things. So, Bejan, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you. Yeah, um, it's uh, it's great to meet you, and I'm actually excited about this. Uh, I've been... uh... Waiting. I've been talking to my friend about this, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. So I gave a little overview of what you're doing, but your company is spacefirefilms.com. Tell us a little bit about Spacefire and about what you're up to. So uh, we're a production company based out of Austin. Uh, we've done lots of short films, uh, music videos, commercials, infomercials. Um, uh, we did uh, done a lot of event coverage. Um, I've uh, been making films for quite a while and, uh, we started this company fairly recently. Um, I've been working with my partner, Austin, uh, his name is Austin Marty. He's uh, my DP and he's uh, the co-founder of the company. And, uh, I worked with him about six months prior to we uh, started in the company and we had really good, uh, I guess, chemistry as far as a uh, workflow together. Cause I'd done a lot of freelance by myself prior to that. And I figured, uh, it'd be nice to start a company and actually have a collective, a group of people that I could consistently work with to have a better workflow. And, uh, yeah, um, Ever since we started, actually, in January of this year, we've made an LSC. We've uh, been doing lots of uh, small projects together, and we finally said we, we got to do our first feature. And we wanted to uh, do a, a Kickstarter, actually, for it. Uh, the name of the film is called uh, Chasing Unicorns. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of uh, where we're at right now. Uh, we're uh, fundraising for it. Um, yeah. So Chasing Unicorns, and if people want to find the Kickstarter campaign, how would they find that? Well, it's, uh, if they go to facebook.com slash Chasing Unicorns Movie, They'll find the, the Facebook page, and then they'll, they'll see a whole bunch of links to the Kickstarter. 
So how hard is it to raise money to do a feature-length film, even as an independent? It's fairly hard. Uh, you know, I have a few leads on some private investors that I'll be talking to. Um, but in addition to that, you need know, to contact local businesses. You're, past, you're posting flyers around town. I've posted flyers all over Austin, some in San Antonio. You know, I, I was doing South by Southwest. I was networking. I was actually uh, uh, getting people to wear like a unicorn mask and, you know, <laughs> talk about uh, get jump in front of a, a backdrop and we get them to post it to their Facebook. Uh, a lot of social media, you know, Twitter, Instagram. You know, it's a full-time job uh, marketing, as you probably know. You talk to a lot of uh, uh, people, and uh, yeah, it isn't easy to market a film and try to get people to be interested in uh, what you're trying to share with the world. You know? So you've got kind of a double whammy in the fact that you're actually launching an entrepreneurial business in Spacefire Films, and at the same time, part of that project is raising money to do a film. So you're sort of doing double duty as an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, well, yeah. On one hand, you know, I'm trying to do uh, more commercial work, more music videos that uh, brings me in revenue, makes me money. While my artistic passions, you know, I ultimately want to do only feature films. At the same time, I have my company be another uh, avenue for income uh, while I try to uh, chase what I'm passionate about. So when you showed up at the University of Texas at Austin, you thought you were going to be business. You thought you might go into pharmacy. What was it that, that made you have that switch? I mean, so many people start off thinking they're going to do one thing, and then as they sort of get along either in college or way later, in my case, they sort of say, wait a minute, I've, I've got my ladder against the wrong wall. I've got to move my ladder. What was it that made you switch to want to follow your passion and your dream and do film? Well, you know, after doing uh, – like I love math and I love science, and uh, I love uh, talking with people, um, and it really – at first, I didn't really know what I wanted. Um, you know, going to college, a lot of people are like, what is, what's my major? I don't know what I'm going to do. So, you know, your parents kind of influence you. Like, you should do this. This is what pays well. And it's more of a guaranteed job versus, you know, going anywhere into the, towards the arts. isn't. Uh, it's, it's more of a flimsy field in which you have to really struggle to be successful. And after, you know, uh, you know not liking uh, the career path I was going towards, I started, uh, I was like, I got to do something different. And then, I took the improv class just on a whim as an elective, and uh, I met somebody who was making films, and I said, okay, I'll, I'll try this out. I don't know if I'll like it. And I started making films, and actually the first year of filmmaking, I made it over 40 short films, a lot of bad films, you know what I mean? But I learned a lot about the process of production, you know, pre-production, uh, post-production. I, I met a lot of people in the local film community. And, you know, after that, I started making uh, less films, but I focused on uh, quality over quantity. And I think from then on, I was like, I just had to keep making films. I'm like, I'm not going to do pre-pharmacy more. I'm just going to start making films. And I just stuck with it. And I think uh, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. I'm very passionate about it. And I think uh, I love telling stories and I love engaging audiences. And, uh, and the funny thing about film, you meet so many interesting people. You, you go to so many different places. I don't think I would have been to some of the places I've been if it wasn't for film and met some of the cool people I've met. And there's a lot of interesting characters you'll meet, ranging from uh, quirky actors to, uh, you know, you, you, you see these crew members who get into film, like from the career paths that they've previously come from. It's, it's a wide range. I mean, people, you know, striving to, and struggling for their passions. And at the same time, you're dealing with the corporate people or the money, you know, people to try and get investors and everything like that. So you're really covering the, the full gamut of society, I guess. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, art is something uh, we all love. And so I feel like everyone wants the idea of, uh, of at least envision themselves as being an artist or have some kind of creative outlet. Even business people, why do they sometimes invest in films? Because they want to feel like they're a part of something. 
Well, I get a little bit jealous when I talk to, to people like you who early on kind of were able to make that pivot and, and get off the, the, the route that society says, no, this is the safe way to go. I interviewed someone, I don't know, about two months ago named Sean Major, and he's an actor in Hollywood, and he's making a lot of films. Now, a lot of them are shorts and, and independents, but he's constantly working. And some of it's paid and some of it's not, but he's constantly being cast. And I was talking to him and he's only out of college a few years. And while he was in college, he was interning for, gosh, I think he was like at Amazon or someone like that. He was in Seattle and he did not like it and decided, why am I not a theater major? And started his last semester, he had extra units that he could take, and he took all theater and acting classes, and then went to London and studied Shakespeare, and then moved straight to Hollywood to act. And, you know, he was like 23 years old, and I'm like, God, I wish I had, you know, I wish I had done that when I was that age. I spent a long time before I really sort of figured out uh, what my passion was and realized that I could go do my own thing. So I'll, I'll cue you in. The audience has heard it before. When I was a kid, I wanted to be an actor, and I didn't have the guts to go for it. And the saddest part of the story is I grew up in Los Angeles. And so it was like right there, I totally could have yeah. just taken that leap, and I, and I didn't. And I think the funny thing is so many people, uh, they have dreams, but they, uh, they say even they try it first. Maybe I, I try it for a month or a year. It's not the first year you're going to be successful. Maybe not even the first five or 10 or 15 years. You hear about people, most directors or most people you hear about are in their 40s a lot of times by the time they're famous, actually, or even established. It takes a long time to actually build that community, I feel. Um, and you, can't, you have to stay dedicated and true. And if you have to be willing to do it even if you don't get paid to do it. And I think if that's the case, you got to just take a, you know, a leap and try it. And you, know, you have to stick with it. And uh, no matter what, if that's what you want to do, you just do it. Well, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're singing my, my, my song because that's my belief now, but it took me until I was in my 40s, and I figured out a way to kind of get the same sort of thing that I desired in being an actor. I became a professional speaker and writer, and I went for it, and yeah, for like four years, we hemorrhaged cash, and it was really hard, and you know, I was married, and I had a family, and all of a sudden, we started making money, and now I have a legit business as a professional master of ceremonies and speaker, and I was talking to our mutual friend, Jake, uh, I don't know, several, six months ago, and I was saying how I wish I had pursued acting when I was his age. And he said, you know, you can always do it now. He goes, we live in 2000, you know, that was 2015. And he goes, you can yeah. always just, you know, go do something on the side. You could write your own play or you could, you know, try out for an independent film. And, you know, now you fast forward six months, I'm, I'm about to finish writing a one-man show. Uh, you know, I've still got my speaking business going and I may have a shot at auditioning for a short, which is something I've never done, but there might be a part that's like totally right for me. And I sit there and look at almost 50 years old and think, gosh, I wish I had done it when I was you know, in college. I wish I had just found that passion and went for it. I probably wouldn't have found the success till I was in my 40s. But I definitely think that there's something to be said for, for really going for it. So since you have made that your passion and your you know, dedication to following what you want to do, what is it that you absolutely love about the life you're creating? Well, I feel... <sighs> I, I love about the, I guess about the life. I kind of follow suit. I guess uh, what I love about filmmaking and, and the type of people that I meet. Um, I don't think uh, there's a lot of stories that I can tell, and there's a lot of experiences of actually personal experiences that I actually uh, attribute to my film. Like even this feature film that I'm trying to make, uh, Chasing Unicorns. There's actually a few stories in it that actually relate to some of the stories that either happened to me in my real life or some of my friends. And I kind of blend, you know, 
fantasy and fiction with reality, um, even though it's a, you know, uh, it's a leap, you know, and you, you kind of dramatize some of the moments that happen or you uh, stretch, you know, uh, uh, the truth. And, and it's not based on the truth stories. You can really say anything you want to. And I feel like that form of expression is very important to me. And uh, it, uh, it really shapes uh, what, what I want to do with a film. Uh, I have so many other films I want to make, a lot of fantasy, sci-fi things that are completely fictional. And I still feel like it draws in other people. It's a form of escapism for a lot of people. Um, they go to watch films and they, they sit in a, th- a theater and they, they watch these, uh, these characters interact with each other. And they start to relate to these characters. They can imagine themselves as these characters and being uh, another person just for maybe 90 minutes to two hours. And they feel you know, a, a sense of release and, and less stress possibly afterwards, or they feel like a, a little bit better for even a brief moment. So you mentioned that you made, you know, a whole bunch of shorts and maybe the quality wasn't, wasn't as good, but by starting out and, and doing like a higher quantity of stuff, do you feel that just jumping in with both feet and making a lot of shorts, do you think it, it taught you a lot about the industry? Yeah, it's because I've met a lot of people who are far more experienced than me. And I think by meeting people who are better than you, you learn from them. I mean, uh, I've worked on lots of different sets and it just uh, jumping on other projects. You know, uh, sometimes it, when I first started off, of course, I helped a lot of other people's projects and my, I did a lot of my own. And I just learned, uh, you know, the, the craft by learning for the people who are better than me. Even now, I feel like I still always strive to work with people who are, I feel are better than me or just as good because there's always something they can teach me uh, as a filmmaker. So, you know, you bring up getting around other people who can teach you things and, and just watching and learning. So, you know, it comes back to sort of the old business term of, of networking. Now, I've written several books on the whole idea from, from a corporate side of why your network really makes a difference in, you know, how you build your career and how you find success. How is that true for you in the film industry? Why does networking matter? Well, I think as far as business and film is the big thing, I think you can be a very talented actor. You can be a very, very talented uh, filmmaker. But if you never meet the right people, if you never talk to enough people to actually draw interest, I don't, you'll never really make it because uh, you can have wonderful ideas. Uh, it's much harder to make it without knowing the right people, I feel like, to invest in your partner or want to have a following. And, uh, yeah, I think it's very important. I started off when I... Uh, first started filmmaking, I actually just started adding people who I didn't know. They had mutual friends on Facebook. I just started talking to them. It got me jobs sometimes. It, it, I talked to people I normally wouldn't have met in person. I can network far faster on Facebook than I could, you know, going to a pub and talking to a few people. While I can meet so many people and then actually engage with them. I have people actually who I added a few years back and then I met them like two years later. I was like, hey, uh, we're already friends on Facebook. Uh, it's nice meeting you now. actually in person now. Um, <laughs> It's kind of interesting, uh, social network. And then, of course, I go out and meet people as well. But it's just two different ways for me to network. And I think it's very important to meet different people and see what kind of project they're working on and what they're doing. Because you might be just as interested in collaborating with them or you don't know who, what your next project is going to be, especially in freelance or any, with any kind of business you're trying to do. You don't know where your next job is going to be. Well, and, you know, it's got my mind spinning because the truth is, I mean, I've you know been teaching this from a, from a sales and corporate side for a long time. But the truth is, is that anything you want to accomplish, someone out there has probably already accomplished it or, or, or has advice that can help you get there. And if you find the right person, that can take, you know, 
a huge piece of the learning curve out. So, I mean, that's true whether, you, whether you're a lawyer, whether you're an accountant, whether you sell software, or whether you're trying to create a film. And even with this one-man show that I'm writing, I realize that I don't have any experience in that, and I'm 50 years old. And while I'm a decent nonfiction writer, I'd never written a play before. And so I reached out to people in my network, people I knew on Facebook and LinkedIn, and people I've had coffee with who have ties to the more creative side of the world here in Austin. And I ended up getting four or five recommendations for a writing coach and director. And I found a guy who was the perfect match. And, you know, he is really helping me sort of fine tune my story. And I never would have found it if I hadn't reached out to the people I already know. So you bring up a fabulous point, And I think it's true for any industry and anything people want to accomplish. Well, not only that, I feel like uh, you can't create any form of art without other people. Like so often, like I direct films, I produce films, but really without the whole crew and cast, there would be no film. It's the people that make the film. And uh, for me, I, a lot of times, you know, the director takes all the credit or the producer takes all the credit. I'm like, I don't think, you know, this film would have been as good without that actor or, or without that production designer. You know, you hear of Christopher Nolan, you hear J.J. Abrams, you, and they have these massive sets of hundreds of people, and yet they take all the credit. You know, you, you hear about their names. You know, yet I, I do believe, like, all those, all that post-production work, all the, the visual effects, that adds such production quality and all those people that added to it that you don't hear their names and no one even even has heard of them. I mean, they look at the credits as a long list of names. They're not, they're not going to know every single one. So is film, do you think, the most collaborative form of art? I think film, I, I would say so. I'm like, as far as, um, I'm not saying, you know, business, you may, you know, you have to interact with a lot of different uh, associates. And, but I think uh, it becomes more personal, even more so. Sometimes, you know, you hear about you separate your business and pleasure. Well, I feel like film is business and pleasure in one. Uh, not that sometimes, especially when you're on set, I mean, you're, you're interacting with people. It's, it's an emotional uh, trip. You're very invested. It kind of becomes your baby. A lot of filmmakers say, it's like, oh, this film is my baby. You know, it's hard to, you know, get rid of your babies while, when you're in the editing room. Because, you know, like, I really love that shot. I spent so much time getting it, you know, uh, all the time. I, I, sat, I sat in the middle of the desert. It was so hot. And, you know, <laughs> I shot in the White Sands, which was uh, very fun. And it was very hot. We had our actor in a, a, a black suit. You know, he didn't want to be in the middle of the desert. And all the time he sacrificed to, to be there. We shot like the Havasu Falls, which is a gorgeous waterfall. It was like a five-mile hike down this mountain. We walked through this crevice to get to this uh, gorgeous waterfall. And uh, there was a lot of drama on the way to that uh, shoot as well. Um, uh, there's always a lot of drama, I feel like, on film shoots. You know, even to, uh, recently, you know, um, I blew up a car yesterday, actually. That's, um, wait, 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 and, uh, wait, wait. You blew up a car? <laughs> Yeah, we blew up a car. It was okay, this on private land um, in Lockhart. We had drove out uh, about 40 minutes, so 30, 40 minutes. And uh, we, uh, it was a skit. We're supposed to be like, uh, there was a, we had like a puppy in the car. It was, wasn't really in the car when we blew it up, but we were faking it. And, like there was a puppy <laughs> and there was two kids like playing in the car. And then uh, the car uh, blew up, you know, afterwards. We took the, uh, the puppy and the, the, the kids out. And uh, we had actually the, 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 well, the, cat, the dog in a cage. And the car, the dog got so scared. It was really, it was far farther off that it broke out of its cage and ran off into the forest. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, we could we searched for it for two hours and we couldn't find the dog. And we, it was really heartbreaking to have to tell the owner, you know, uh, that the the dog was lost. And uh, I actually was out there just before we were talking, searching for that dog. This is why we postponed uh, this <laughs> podcast. Um, I was uh, trying to help uh, find the dog again today. Um, no, no luck yet, but. That's okay. I, be- I believe the dog will show up. I'm hoping so. You know, um, I feel really bad for the owner. But other than that, actually, just that morning as well, we shot another uh, film as a- another marketing thing for a campaign. We're blowing. Uh, we uh, shot a-, a Trump skit. Actually, uh, we were doing a parody of Donald Trump, and we had a kid Trump. 
in a playground with a whole bunch of kids. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, they had a, a wall of uh, boxes being built around the playground because he was supposed to become the president of the playground. It was kind of, a, <laughs> kind of an SNL skit, like a parody. And we had a unicorn actually in the crowd, like a little kid unicorn, uh, to reference our film. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't want to talk about the lost dog, but I do want to go back to the blown up car because I think you might be the first person who's ever been on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do who blew up a car the day before <laughs> that we had them on, on, on the show. So, yeah. so tell me more about, uh, not, you know, not so much about the, the, the actual plot, yeah. but tell me about what was involved in blowing up a car. Well, uh, my friend, uh, Dr. Dangerous, uh, he's actually been on uh, the History Channel um, on uh, and uh, he actually does a lot of stunts. Um, you can look up on his website, um, Gregory Dr. Danger um, Carpenter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he got all the explosives together. It was out in the private ranch. Uh, the, the, the owner, actually, um, he got a, a lift, and he picked up the car and put it, put it on top of a big mound of dirt. And we set up the explosives around it. Um, we got ready. We did, like, a three-camera setup. Well, actually, four cameras. And we had all the cameras around the car on the, the big mound of dirt where the, the car was on top. And then we were actually maybe uh, 50 feet away from it, and uh, I was standing in front of the car, and uh, so was Dr. Danger. We, as we detonated the, the car explosion, we, me and him were walking away from the car, you know. Cool people walk away from uh, explosions. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of a, a little stunt they were pulling to, for the fundraiser, actually. So I actually just like the fact that you have a friend who's known as Dr. Danger. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually, he's a pretty cool dude. Uh, just before, uh, like a few weeks ago, he went on a road trip, uh, and he was trying to fix a bus, and he actually crashed the bus. Uh, uh, it, it, uh, the brakes weren't working. It rolled down the hill and crashed into a pole, and they were actually trying to get it fixed up. But right the day before, they were trying to take off that morning to go on this uh, big uh, road trip for, uh, with uh, his, uh, this band he was uh, trying to perform with. He does a lot of stunts around you know, in different states all across the country, actually. Um, actually, the show that he was on is called American Daredevils. Um, he's a really cool dude. Um, awesome. So I might have to track him down and have him on the show because yeah, I think, I think, doc- great I think, having your show I think the, just having uh, the, the name Dr. Danger makes you cool. You, some of his stories are amazing. Uh, you got to listen to him. I think he'd, have a, he'd be a great for your show, actually. So tell me, we call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, and you're doing a lot of cool things, you know, starting your film company and doing all this. But if somebody wants to follow their dream, maybe it's not film, maybe it's not acting or anything to do with the arts, but they want to follow their own dream of, of whatever excites them for business, what tips would you give them? Well, first, I would say... Go and talk to other people who've tried it out, who've already done this career or have started out this career path and see what they've done. I always look at like a lot of other directors or a lot of other producers, people who make content. And one of my inspirations is like, where did they start off? How did they get to the point in which they were successful? What steps did they have to take to be successful? And how long did it take them to become successful in that career? And try to, even though some people actually are lucky and sometimes people just blow up quickly, you have to take consideration. There's a lot of different paths to, to success, I feel. And just start with step one. Say, oh, well, what's the first thing I do? Well, for me as a filmmaker, I'm like, I got to start making content. Learn how to actually make a film, how to tell a story, how to uh, uh, gather crew, how to get locations, how to you know, do the business side of film, how to you know, bring people together and, and inspire people to want to help me pursue my dreams. So whatever dream you have, find the people, like-minded people, and try to get them to help you. Because everyone out there... Uh, well, I think they want to help you. I mean, like everyone has dreams and they can appreciate trying to help another person uh, with their dreams. So I've got a couple more questions for you. But first, I got to thank the sponsor of the show. 
This episode, as all the episodes, is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure that you sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content and growing your audience. Now, for an exclusive offer for anyone who wants to start a podcast, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners to this show. As you know, I'm a big fan and this show wouldn't exist with its 166 episodes if it was not for the great people at Podfly and everything that they do to make this show a success. So I always like to ask the people who come on the show about the coolest things they're doing in their business. And it sounds to me like the coolest thing you're doing has to be starting your first feature film, getting getting towards your dream of what you founded this company for. So can we talk a little bit more about Chasing Unicorns? Yeah, uh, sure. Um, so I guess as far as the story, yeah. Chasing Unicorns is sort of a psychological uh, murder mystery. It's a group of people in a therapy session who are being uh, killed off while they kind of, some of them tell their backstories of, how they have these different psychological disorders. The main character, uh, Marsh, he wants to believe that he's an alien and he had some trauma in his past. And uh, he's trying to escape his past and his form of escapism and trying to believe that he's an alien. And uh, he goes to this group therapy session along with this other character, uh, Connie, who uh, is pretending to have multiple personalities in the film. And she's trying to cope with her own issues as well while they're trying to find out who's killing these people in this therapy session. Uh, and, yeah, it's an it's a interesting uh, psychological, it has some comedy elements and, you know, this kind of uh, uh, build-up uh, to try to discover who's the killer. So I think that the listeners of the show want to find your Kickstarter campaign because I think how cool to invest in, you know, a feature film, especially if, you know, space fire films and you become hugely famous down the line – I want to say I put 25 bucks or 50 bucks or 100 bucks into getting this done. So what has it been like doing the Kickstarter campaign? I mean, you hear a lot about it, but I don't know very many people who've done them. So one of the major things, it's a lot of social network and it's a lot of prep trying to contact people, trying to set up a, a, a fan base and trying to it's a lot of um, uh, constant posting constant updates um, I've read a lot of articles about Kickstarter and like what's the best process of being prepped for Kickstarter and, and uh, one of the things is it's a, it's a full time job it's constantly messaging people on Facebook Instagram Twitter it's going out into the community and talking with people it's posting updates like videos behind the scenes videos behind the scenes you know we had a uh, behind the scenes photography and video for, for the all the entire shoot we shot for a uh, Actually, seven days with uh, no budget. You know, um, if you watch the trailer, you'll see uh, there's this really cool ring of fire uh, that we set up. That was actually set up by Dr. Danger on another uh, private land. Uh, it was on a ranch that we shot on. And it was a really interesting scene. We had the, the kid in the center of the fire and uh, an alien spaceship off in the distance. Um, it's supposed to be like a flashback uh, like of uh, Marsh's past, which he's its own delusional past. He's not, he wasn't really, he's not really an alien, but he wants to believe he's an alien. So once again, why don't you tell people, because I know now they're, they're, they're peaked on this. How do they find the Kickstarter campaign? So go to uh, facebook.com slash Chasing Unicorns movie. Or you can just search on facebook.com, search Chasing Unicorns. Um, we actually ha- already have uh, like 2,700 uh, likes on Facebook. Uh, we managed to get pushed out pretty far. Awesome. Well, I'm going to go and, uh, and, and, and invest. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to find it and I'm going to give you a little bit of money because I want to see this film get made. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Um, 
I suggest anyone who's passionate about anything, think about other artists and how films are made. And it takes a lot of effort to make a film. And I think uh, this will be a film that you won't want to watch. <laughs> hey, so before I ask the next question, though, I want to back up a little bit when we were talking about networking and finding people. So who's the most famous director or producer that you've met so far? The most famous director or producer? Hmm. I'm trying to think. Well, I don't think I've met... I've met famous actors. I was actually at, um, at uh, the Spirit Film Awards uh, a few years back, and I've met uh, Don Draper, oh, uh, yeah. and I saw uh, met Brad Pitt there, um, and uh, a few other people, uh, Jared Leto briefly, um, but I didn't get to meet any of the directors there. All right, well, I was hoping you were over at Spielberg's house for burgers or something like that. <laughs> that would be pretty awesome. I haven't been to Spielberg's house yet. Um, even while in L.A., uh, I've met more, probably indie, a lot of indie-level directors. It's not easy to, even if you get onto a big set, you're not going to really have a one-on-one with a director. Um, there's a lot of directors that I admire that I'd love to meet, you know, um, eventually. Uh, it'd be pretty cool. So my last uh, couple of questions that I ask everybody, the, the, the key one really is, who is someone else out there that you see doing something really cool? Because I think we could talk about you and your film and everything all day long, but I think great entrepreneurs are really observers and they're watching other people. So maybe it's another director, maybe it's an entrepreneur, maybe it's your dry cleaner. Uh, who is it out there where you think, wow, that person's really doing something I admire? If it was a filmmaker, I would say my favorite filmmaker is probably Christopher Nolan. Uh, I love his uh, the dark elements he has in his films. I love the, the psychological elements. You know, I loved Inception, and I'm a really big fan of psychology and philosophy. Um, I'd say I really admire his work and uh, his dedication. Um, yeah, he's probably uh, my go-to person as far as his inspiration. And of course, I love uh, you know uh, a lot of other uh, directors that I've seen a lot of their work. Um, but yeah, they're probably my go-to person. Awesome. So I really, really appreciate you jumping on the show. I know we did this kind of last minute and set it up kind, kind of short, but I'm really excited about what it is that you're doing. And I think one of the things we have to remember in the entrepreneurial community is we sort of see the world through our own you know, set of vision, through the window that we look out of. So because I host this show, I tend to interview a lot of speakers and, and authors and other people who are like me. And I love it when we get somebody on the show who comes from a totally different skill set, who's doing different things. And what I loved about interviewing you is when you – a lot of people talk about the passion of what they have. I think that yours really came through. And, and I guess you couldn't be in the business that you're in if you really didn't have a passion. But is there any other uh, – tidbit or anything you want to share with the audience before I let you go? I would say keep doing whatever you're doing and if you're not enjoying, enjoying that, I think you should switch paths because I feel like life's too short to not do what you're passionate about. Um, there's a lot of people, especially I feel like in a country like the U.S., like you have so much opportunity to do things and like you're not as worried about food and shelter. If you have food and shelter, do what you're passionate about. You have so much opportunity to do anything. And don't feel like you're just making money for money's sake. You should be making money while doing what you love. Well, and the other thing is, is that even if you're doing something else, go do what you love on the side. Don't don't it, put it off for 20 years like I did. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, no matter, if you have to have a, a job on the side, do it part time or do it as little as possible. If it's not something you enjoy, but do it enough so you make money doing that job while doing what you love. So it was an absolute pleasure to have you on here. How can people find you? Where do they go if they want to find out more information? Go to uh, spacefirefilms.com. You actually can uh, read our bios, check out some of our previous projects, and you can send us an email.
Excellent. Well, again, thank you so much for being on the show. And to everybody who tuned in, as always, we wouldn't have a show if you didn't listen. So we'll be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Bejan. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.